The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of you in the name of Jesus Christ. May His peace, and particularly this day, as Jim talked about what's stressing us out. I feel it too. May Christ's peace be upon you today. Thank you. We're in the Gospel of Luke, a sermon series, The Spirit-Powered Gospel. And our text today comes from Luke 6, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. And some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, He ate what what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand up in front of everybody. And so he got up and he stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at all of them and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word. And today, as you bring your word to us, give us ears to hear. But not only ears to hear, but give us hearts and lives to follow. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of Jesus. Amen. So there is a tribe in East Africa They're called the Maasai. They're very famous. In fact, here's a picture that either myself or students that I was with several years ago, we were actually in Tanzania, and we actually went to a Maasai village. This is not staged. This is not uh, a setup. This is actually a Maasai village, and that's actually how they dress. Many of you may know them. The Maasai are the ones that pierce their ears, and they hang low, and the women often wear the beads. They often do a dance, which is jumping. They can jump through the roof. They hunt with spears. And one of the things that's an identifying marker 
for a Maasai man to become from, go from a boy to a man in, in, in Maasai traditional culture is that a Maasai boy must go out and kill a lion with a spear and a shield. And then he can return as a man. Now, today, that doesn't really happen, at least not legally, because Tanzania and Kenya, where the Maasai live, lions are protected. In fact, you, you could talk to, uh, you talk to people that know Maasai. Actually, take that back. I was talking to a missionary that was out on safari one time, and they were, they were in Tanzania at the, uh, the Serengeti, and there was a group of lions, or at least one or two lions lying in the grass. And then all of a sudden, they got up very quickly, and they, they scurried off, and they thought, what in the world is going on? What spooked them? Because nothing really spooks a lion. And then within about 30 seconds over the hill comes two Maasai walking up over the hill. They smelled them. And they knew. But you can't hunt lions anymore. But I found this old guy sitting under the tree, the one sitting down under the tree there. And I thought, now this guy is old enough. When he was a boy, I bet he hunted a lion. So I went to somebody who knew Swahili I mean, and English, but he didn't know Maasai. And then he found somebody that knew Swahili and Maasai, but he didn't know English because the only language that guy knew was Kimasai, right? So I had to translate to one guy who translated into Swahili, from Swahili, English to Swahili, Swahili to Maasai, and then finally this other guy translated all the way to the Maasai, and I said, hey, you're a pretty old guy, which is not an insult. He said, yes, I am. I said, is there any chance that you've hunted lions? Yes, I did. He actually tracked down a lion and killed, and also a leopard as well when he was a young man. And that marked him as a man. The other interesting thing about Maasai is this. Maasai believe that every single cow in the world belongs to them. I know it sounds a little odd, but every single cow belongs to them. In fact, they believe that God gave them cows, and so they have no problem if you have a cow if they have no problem with just going and taking your cow, which is quite a problem because lots of other Tanzanians and Kenyans own cows. But they have no problem going to take their cow, and they don't consider it stealing because what they say is, no, we're just taking back what was rightfully ours to begin with. And that's one of the markers of what it means to be a Maasai. For the Jews in Jesus' day, one of the primary identifying markers about what it meant to be Jewish was Sabbath. Just like the, cow, just like the Maasai believed the cows were theirs, Sabbath was a central marker. It distinguished them from the Romans. The Romans didn't take a break, but we take a break. And what's interesting, why Sabbath is such a big deal as a marker distinguishing the Jews from other people is because 
it's only one of two commands that are positive commands, right? Most of them are no other gods, no images, don't use God's name in vain, no stealing, no lying, no coveting. But then you get two, and one of them is keep the Sabbath. That's a positive command. The other positive command is honor your parents. Notice where I looked. And so this grabbed Israel's attention, that it was a positive command. In fact, it became such, so central to Israel's life and identity. Keeping Sabbath was central to keeping the law. But it was really hard to determine what constituted work and what constituted rest. So there's two stories that happen that we read. They happen back to back about Sabbath. And the first story, Jesus is walking with his disciples through a field and they're picking the grain, right? They're just picking the grain off the stalk and rubbing it together and just eating it. And the Pharisees come and they said, is it lawful for you to do that work? There were 40 categories that Israel had determined. These are these broad categories of what's work. And according to the Pharisees, the disciples had broken one of those categories. They'd broken one of those laws just by picking the grain. And so the issue wasn't stealing. They were walking through a foreign field. There wasn't their field. It was their neighbor's field. And the issue wasn't stealing because Deuteronomy 23, 25 says, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you not, must not use a sickle to the standing grain. That's not the issue. The issue is not stealing. The issue, according to the Pharisees, is that they're working. And although the Pharisees ask the disciples if it's okay for them to do that, it's Jesus who answers. And he answers with a question. He says, don't you know the story of David? Don't you know the story when he went in and he ate the bread that was consecrated to the Lord that only the priests are supposed to eat? And he also gave it to his friends? And you could read this story. It's in 1 Samuel 21, verse 1 through 6. David is fleeing from Saul, who's trying to kill him. And he goes and he meets the priest. And the priest says, why are you traveling alone? He's like, well, I'm on a mission. He doesn't really tell him why he's there, but I'm on a mission. And I have some companions that are going to join me. Do you have anything to eat? It's basically what he says. He says, well, we're kind of out of food. He says, well, I need something for myself and my companions. And the priests look at him and he says, well, all I have is the bread that's consecrated to the Lord that sits in front of the Lord. But your, your friends have to be holy. They have to be pure. Actually, what it reads is he says, they, they can't have, have been with women any time in the recent past. And he assures them, no, my friends haven't. And so what the priest does is he takes the bread that lies before the Lord and he gives it to David. What only the priest was supposed to eat, he gives to David. And the priest chooses life. 
He recognizes that bread is important to God. And to God, what is important is that those who need bread get it. That's what's important. And then Jesus, there's another story that immediately follows this. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and he encounters a man with a shriveled hand, and it says this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hands, get up, stand up in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is more lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save or destroy? And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. The guy stretches out his hand and he's healed. And they begin to look for a way to get Jesus. Sabbath is not that important to us. It's just not. It's really, really important to the Jews. And by the way, that it's not important to us is a whole other conversation. Holly, thank you for bringing that to our attention by sharing your own story and your own life. Because if any of you guys are like Holly or me, you need some Sabbath. It's not that important to us, but this is a marker for what it means to be Jewish. And so these Pharisees and teachers of the law, when they see them breaking what they think is central to their identity and who they are and what makes them distinctive, they go after Jesus and his disciples. But Jesus makes it clear that Sabbath is just not about keeping a right relationship with God. Sabbath is not just about maintaining a certain identity, although that may be important. Sabbath is intended to give life to all who are around. When they're picking the grains, and he says, haven't you considered David? That bread was for God, and only the priest could eat it. But Sabbath is just not for God, it's just not for your identity. Sabbath is that so everyone around you can have life. It is, to, it is intended to bring rest not only to us, but to all that we encounter in our daily lives. Now, Jesus, in this sense, reinterprets what it means to keep the Sabbath. And this goes back to the Ten Commands that all, you all know very well, but let's put them up on the screen anyway. Here's the Big Ten. No other gods, no images, no using God's name in vain. Sabbath, rest, honor parents, no murder, no adultery, no stealing, no lying, no coveting. Several commentators have noticed something about these 10. If you notice the first three, the first three are about whom? They're commandments aimed at whom? They're commandments aimed at God, right? Don't worship any other gods. Don't make any images. Don't use God's name in vain. In other words, don't use God's name for your own purposes. 
but for God's purposes only. And then, although it doesn't break up nice and neat, the last six are about whom? From number five on. Who are the last six about? They're about other people, right? Number five is about honoring your parents, others. Murder, that's about valuing other people's lives. No adultery is about valuing the boundaries that we have set in relationships with one another. No stealing is about honoring those boundaries we have about what belongs to whom. No lying honors those relationships that there's truth-telling and that we can be trustworthy. And no coveting honors those boundaries maybe in a deeper way that we don't steal with our hearts or we don't commit adultery with our hearts or we're not inclined to murder in our own hearts. But one thing the commentators have noticed is that the first ten commandments start with God. This is what a right relationship with God looks like. These are the laws that will keep us in good relationship with God. And the last six are about good relationships with others. And what they've noticed is that right in the middle, between our relationship with God and our relationship with others, when life is right with God and life is right with others, Sabbath in the middle. Do you see that? Have you experienced that in your own lives? When life is lived right with God and life is lived right with others, there's rest. And not just for you, but for those around you as well. And so Jesus is seen as an authority in this text on the law, and he's seen as a prophet. And I couldn't help but notice this week that even though my text, the text today was on Sabbath, I couldn't notice what this story sets up. Because if you keep reading, it goes right into the story, Luke's account of the Beatitudes. Well, blessed are the poor, and woe to those who are rich. And then it follows with some teaching later on, as Jesus, the one that has authority to reinterpret the Sabbath for us, the one that has authority to say, the Sabbath is not just for God, it's for others as well. It's for the well-being of everyone around you. I just couldn't help but then read what Becky read to us earlier. Luke 6, beginning of verse 27, says this. But to you who are listening, I say this. Love your enemies. Do good though to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others what you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who, who, 
whom you expect repayment, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you'll be called children of the Most High. Because he is kind and grateful. And he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. And I couldn't help but think the one who has authority to reinterpret the law to us, the one who is a prophet, who actually at the end of our narrative about Sabbath is rejected because the Pharisees begin to look for a way to kill him, just like they killed the prophets. Then, as the lawgiver and the prophet, he stands up and he says this, love your enemies. And I think about Sabbath. Sabbath is not just rest for you. It's rest in life for all around you, for all, all the people that are around you. And then Jesus tells this teaching, love your enemies. And it made me realize in my own life that Sabbath rest, the way that Jesus interprets it, is not just rest for you, it's rest for everybody around you, including your enemies. And I'm like, Jesus? This may be me. You may have something else that's difficult. You can disagree with me if you want. I think Jesus' command to love enemies is the strongest, most difficult to command to obey. I have other struggles in my life. But when my enemies go after me, it's like I lose sense of everything else. And often we think we're okay by keeping the commands. By doing good to those who do good to us. By providing rest for those whom we like that are around us. By providing Sabbath. That Sabbath is for those people who are our friends, who we like, who we want rest. But Jesus takes it further. And he says, don't just love people that love you. Sabbath rest is not just for people who you like and who like you. Sabbath rest is to be extended even to the people that hate you. Then he goes a little bit further, and it strikes me that at the end of this passage, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And it made me think back to our text where he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And I want to claim, you're Lord of the Sabbath, you're Lord of the Sabbath. And then Jesus answers me with this, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you say Lord to me, Ben, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what it's like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck and that, ho that house and it could not shake. 
because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put it into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and the moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and was destroyed completely. Then why do you proclaim, I am Lord of the Sabbath? And you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't put into practice loving your enemies. For the one who does not put my words into practice, Jesus might say, there is no rest. And so, today, this week, this month, maybe let's just say this week, let's just practice this week. When people hate you, do good to those who hate you. Because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And when people curse you, bless those who curse you. Because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And when people mistreat you, pray for them. Because, say it with me, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And when somebody speaks bad about you behind your back, and it hurts, and you get really upset, and all you want to do is lash out or get them back, do good to them. Because, say it with me, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And when somebody criticizes you to your face, it's just being mean. Bless them because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. When your boss or coworker mistreats you, pray for them because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And when someone takes what is yours, do good to that person. Lend them your shirt as well. Because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And when someone of a different political opinion disagrees with you and thinks you're the worst person possible, and the temptation is to look back at them and to say all kinds of mean and ill to them, bless them. Because, say it with me, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath somebody bullies you first go and tell somebody and then for those who bully you pray for them because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath so as we consider God's word this week and as we encounter others and especially as we encounter our enemies. The only question is this. If Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, the only question is this. Is Jesus your Lord? Let's stand and give him praise.